looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friends! Hey folks, I know we have a lot of fun here on Crazy Train Radio, and with a musical bed here, it might tip you off that, yes, we have had on previous episodes, some of the cast and crew from the Nightmare on Elm Street movie series. You are all my children now. However, I want to take a moment to talk about something important we're supporting. And we all know, here in the real world, true nightmares that we face. (coughs) Jennifer Rubin, friend to Crazy Train Radio, known as Taryn White from Nightmare 3, Hey, check out Tara. In my dreams, I'm beautiful. And bad. Okay, asshole. Let's dance. And she truly loves her fans and shows that support her and her castmates. Her campaign she wants to get out there is called Multiple Sclerosis Complications. Real simple. Multiple Sclerosis Complications. And you can find that campaign on GoFundMe. When you share it with friends and family, you won't find it by Jennifer's success in a film. And I just want you to be able to find the campaign simply called Multiple Sclerosis Complications. This GoFundMe is to help her sister out with, obviously, complications from MS. You can click below the link or visit GoFundMe.com and do a search of multiple sclerosis complications. This page is going to remain open past the taping of our live show with Jennifer, but if we can help make Annie's dreams come true about feeling home in her body, mind, and her mobile home out in Montana, as Jennifer put it, our lives have been changed by you for the better because of your love. Let's try to help Jennifer out and help her sister. There are so many incentives for those who are able to or willing to donate, which you'll be able to see those incentives on the page, but also via our show's Facebook page, Jennifer's personal page, and some of the different groups supporting horror and Nightmare on Elm Street that people belong to. More incentives are being added as we move along, and even if you aren't looking for the incentives, but just looking to help, click the link below for the GoFundMe page. 
Please feel free to continue following on how this fundraiser is going through social media, our show, the page itself. Thanks for Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, all right? I need help. E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah! Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh, my God! Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. Ah, oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increase in amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my! Beforehand, which better it has. So we might have to send some people out for you. 
yeah, being that she's from Chicago. She's going to be appearing Monster Mania in Cherry Hill this weekend, uh, August 17th through 19th. If you want to get more information on that, she's an actress, singer, songwriter. She's got extensive resume and everything, film, TV, her projects and music. She's most known Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, but also a project done by Academy Award-winning director Curtis Hanson. Lisa Zane. Lisa, how the hell are you? I'm terrific. How are you? It's been nice chatting with you. Oh, wonderful. So, you know, we'll start off with Monster Mania real quick here. Uh, you do a lot of these types of shows? No, I've done one, or maybe two, one, one horror one years ago, 15 years ago or something. No, I'm, 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 uh, rare to these things. My brother's doing it, and he, and he, he took, well, I don't know, just, no particular reason. I just don't, don't think of doing them. But, um, my brother was doing, um, a rash of them and said, come on, come with me, it's more fun that way. And so I said, all right, let's do it. Yeah, because I, and I would say the other one that you don't see, especially from the Nightmare series, that you don't see really do any shows, and it's a shame. And it, and I just know from talking with her that it's not on her end that she would be open to doing stuff, just not invited, is uh, your co-star, Leslie Dean. What? Wait, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you just said. Were you talking? I said, well, you know, from talking with her in the past, you know, she Who? didn't get least starred Leslie Dean. Oh, Leslie Dean, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time hearing you, sorry. Leslie Dean, oh, she doesn't do them either? No, she, yeah, for some reason she don't get many invites to do the shows, but she'd obviously uh, be open to doing shows. I think so, yeah, I'm sure she would. Especially She's got to a band. promote her band and such. She's got a band of her own, and, and uh, I think, um, as well. So, yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm sure fans would love to see her. She's a, she's a pop. Yeah, she's because, you know, her band would fit right within that horror audience as well, too. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm really looking forward to it. I, uh, I think it's going to be, um, I'm, I think it's going to be pretty fresh. Yes, yes. It's definitely, and there's going to be a couple other, uh, Nightmare Gals here from uh, Part 4. and uh, That's so, right. I've, nev- I've never met those gals. Oh, so it'll be interesting to be able to uh, you know, meet them and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, anyway. Are you a fan of the series? Yes, yes. I, actually, I am. Yeah. Did you personal. watch them all from, from the beginning, from when they first were in the movie theaters and stuff for you? Actually, I am not old enough to have seen them in the movie theaters. The only one that I would have been able... Well, I should say only. Uh, but the first one that I would have been able to see in theaters actually would have been yours in 91. Hmm. The last one, yeah. Yeah, but... And I don't know what it says about my parents, but they actually started say, seeing the films at like three and a half, four. Oh my God. I, mean, I I don't know where the hell that started. I don't yeah, I have a few ideas but <laughs> I don't know what that says about my parents, but 
I'm not here to judge them. I'm not paid to be a psychiatrist. I'm sure you know worse for it. Yeah, yeah, maybe, you know what? Maybe you're I better for it. Oh, wait, I'm losing you a bit. I'm losing you a bit. Can you hear me every minute? Because sometimes you're in and out, sorry to say. Yeah, hold on. Let me move. I think this... Let me see if I can move to the other side of the room, if that will help. Okay. Any better with me? Yeah, I think so. What's that? I think so. Let's try it. Should we start over? No, no, we don't just start over. Where were we? Yeah, yeah. No, I said, you know, I was joking saying that I don't know what it says about my folks that I had started watching this series at like three and a half, four. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I said you're you probably know, better I, for it. <laughs> you know, I could have, I couldn't, I could have gotten in a lot worse. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So thanks, Mom and Dad, uh, for really fucking me up. No. Uh, <laughs> They trusted so, your intellect. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, uh, first and foremost, uh, on my list of questions, anyway, is do you have a preference? Preference, excuse me, either acting or singing. Um, gosh, I really like them both. Uh, to a certain extent, they're the same. Uh, they're both just storytelling. Um, one, you know, just in different ways. I really love singing because it's live, and I love singing because mostly it's my lyrics, and so it's, there's some very direct address kind of quality to it, and I love being in front of an audience and feeling them and them feeling me. And um, But then again, you know, acting, especially film and television, Oh, there's a different kind of eternity to that and a different kind of, I don't know, way of controlling the, controlling the, um, the output that, that is also appealing to me. And then of course it's forever as opposed to fleeting. So I like them both. I'm, I'm so happy that I, ha that I can do both and can yeah, continue to like do you both. Said, I know some folks in other genres in terms of the entertainment field both acting, but also musical, and or, say, things like they do plays or they're in professional wrestling or a professional yeah. sport or anything like that, where the biggest difference is, and most people love it and kind of sit it there, that you have that when you're doing music or anything live, professional sports or entertainment of some sort. Mm -hmm. You get that immediate response, so you know if something's working or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's more like a give and take. I mean, watching movies is a give and take too, but you don't. But the person who's on the screen doesn't get the benefit of feeling the give and take so much. But on stage, you really do get to feel it. It's like a, it's like a, an energy flow back and forth. It's just you can't beat it. It's fantastic. Yeah, and like you, like you said. You, you might, like, if you do a movie or a uh, TV series or whatever the case is, may be, like you've done, you may not get a response. You won't get a direct response right away, and sometimes you may not get that direct response or see how things are left yeah. by a certain audience for maybe six months to a year, depending on when the release is. 
Yeah. But I mean, but you, then you find the joy in, in, in crafting it, you know, on your own and then releasing it and then it's out of your hands. So that's another feeling, you know. But again, it's just still, it's still, you're just serving the story you're telling. Same with the song, you know, you just want to get the story over. Exactly. Now, as far as acting is concerned, do you have a preference in either doing TV or movie work? Mm, it would totally depend on the role, you know. I mean, if something's great about TV is that you, the, the writers and producers know you and get to know you personally and over a period of time, and then they start to write for you to your strengths, and that's pretty dreamy. But then again, a film is has already been crafted ahead of time, and you really can see the whole, and then you can, you know, kind of map out what it is you want to do ahead of time and then do it. So it's I mean, they're both pretty good. Yeah. Now, as far as, and I've heard, and actually it was your, if I remember this correctly, excuse me if I'm wrong, it was actually your nightmare co-star, Robert Englund, who mentioned this, I believe, in his book. It says, and I want to get your take on it, when it comes to acting, especially if you're a repeat of, you're repeating a role of some sort, mm-hmm. that the actor or actress, like, they should have the most, and I'm uh, prefacing this, they should have the most uh, say in terms of how the character will act or they would do or whatever is going on with that storytelling because the actor is paid to perform this particular task, whatever it may be. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that? I would agree with that one, particularly with Robert Englund, because he created that character. I mean, Wes Craven created it, but then he recreated it, you know, made it his own, and then over and over and over. So for for him, it's absolutely true. I mean, he he really fashioned that that creature. Um, if, if it's just a one-off storyline, I think it's it's kind of mutual. You know, the director. It depends on how strong the director is too. Some directors just cast you and just want to trust you. You know, they like the qualities they see in you, and then they want you to take over. And then some directors are very exacting and want, you know, you to follow word for word and follow, you know, and really, like, be be their, not puppet, but you know what I mean, yeah. be their avatar in a way. Um, so it, it would depend. But as an actor, I mean, that's what actors are so cool. Uh, that's why they're so cool. I mean, they're so, they morph, you know, they're so... Um, amenable and, and flexible and able to do what's required. And they're so willing to do what's required. So, you know, it would, the director's a, I think the director's really the, um, <clears throat> the, the main storyteller in film. Exactly. And obviously, you, not, not many people I don't know realize or not, but you were a part of a little, animation and such with uh Mice from Mars, a TV series with yeah. a couple <laughs> different characters. Is that, yeah. Is that free in terms of, yeah, they give you a script, you have an idea of what's going on as far as the story being told. But Or should I say, is it harder to be able to, 
where, like, if you're acting in a TV or movie or TV series movie, you make to see your face or your body language or whatever, where just uh-huh. in an animation there's only your voice to project the story. Oh, I love only my voice because, I mean, I'm used to using it, and I love being challenged to use it. Again, for that storytelling thing I was telling you about, you have to put all of the action in your voice. You know what I mean? You have to sound like you're supposed to look and or and vice versa. No, not vice versa. You have to sound like you're supposed to be looking. And that's a great challenge. And, and you know, if somebody likes to use their voice, it's um, it's just great fun. It's like the Olympics or something. But listen, I mean, I've I've done a few of them, and I loved doing them. They're really usually they're, they, there's humor, you know. But I have to say, the people that that I worked with who do it all the time, they were so talented, so much fun. I mean, the the guys and gals that are that are like this is their main gig. You know, they're voice actors. They have some skills. I mean. It's just oh, yeah. all I did. All I did was laugh the whole time during Biker Mice. It was just so talented and so fun. So I, I was trying to, you know, learn from them. You know, like you're falling off a cliff and you have to sound like you're falling off a cliff and hitting them, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, to make it sound real so that they can follow you in animation. It's, yeah, it's a blast. I loved it. <laughs> well, I also like, at least, and obviously this might sound like I've, did some reading and such, but because we had mentioned that you have both the music career and the acting, and some of your later projects in the teens here that hit scene, you were able to incorporate singing in into a role with acting, such as you know, in the gun the cake and the butterfly, or the girl from Nakasaki and where you played an opera singer and a jazz singer. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was always cool that you were able to uh, incorporate the two. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I in Los Angeles, I did a lot of club singing, and so friends or associates, whatever, would come see me, and they'd say, you know, we're doing this this show, and I just think you'd be, you know, I saw your show, I saw your act, and you'd be perfect for this. And so that's how that sort of happened. And it was, you know, it's, it was... Um, yeah, it's fun that way. And then um, I sang over the end credits of a film, um, uh, Acapella, the, the movie Coriolanus, the Shakespeare um, play made into a film. And that was really, that was really exciting too. And then there was Monkey Bone, you know, where I got to uh, do a, a rendition of Roxy Music. Love is the Drug, and that was really a blast. It's like a trancey version of Love is the Drug. But I, I played the Medusa, and so I was on screen, you know, singing this song in a crazy nightclub scene. So, yeah, it's been, it's been nice how it's morphed into, you know, morphed into that. I hope there's more of that. Yeah, no, obviously not that fit, sir. But uh, actually, the one thing, and we'll bring it back to the Nightmare series here, that I found it interesting and was that you had a song you wrote, uh, The Worst yeah. Is Over, which has a jazzy type of feel, but yeah. supposedly was supposed to be used at the end, during the end credits, but it wasn't used. Do you have a, an idea of why that didn't happen? Well, I mean, it was just, I just thought, let me try and write a, uh, let me try and write like a, 
like a Bond theme style uh, thing to the end credits. It's just a, it was just a, an opportunity to, to write a song, basically. And um, I wrote, I, I collaborated with a guy named Louis Duro, I believe. It was so long ago now. Um, and we just knocked it off really fast, and uh, and I gave it to Aaron, the producer, and he really loved it. But you know, I, he didn't ask me for it. I just sort of handed it over and said, "What do you think?" He's like, "Oh, this is so cool, so cool." But then they went, they went totally rock and roll with it. They ended up with E Pop or something. And watching Nightmare, it's, it would have been, I mean, it would have been a, a direction to go. But I think the energy and the, I mean, the, there was a there was a pretty interesting sort of rock and roll score all the way through it. So I thought they needed to end with something, you know, hardcore. I totally understood. But it exists. It's a, it's a it's a kind of a campy song. Yeah, no, but it works. It could. It could work. I mean, you know. So, but, but again, like any opportunity to, I like assignments. So if someone says, write me a song about XYZ, or, you know, I, I like to write songs on spec and, and, you know. And the interesting part I found about that, though, which actually ties back in the Monster Mania here, that I called the 17th through the 19th, uh, one of the lovely ladies you'll be meeting Tuesday night uh, did some music for Nightmare 4. You know, oh, yeah? She also does music as well. So, you know, I found it interesting that some of the lovely ladies from the series had other talents that they tried mm-hmm. to incorporate, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. I think a lot of actors are musical, you know, can do a lot of things in the creative Stuff. I mean, I find a lot of actors have really nice voices and can write or paint or whatever, so it's not surprising. It's, it's awesome when you can incorporate several mediums, that's for sure. It is, it is. I mean, the ideal thing would be to put together a project of one's own, you know, incorporating absolutely everything. That's the dream, thing, I guess. Well, I have a couple fan questions before we wrap this up that fans have sent in through social media, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, sure. All right, Timothy Benedict. Uh, I hope I said that right, because, you know, whatever. He asks, Lisa, you re- really enjoyed uh, watching you work in Freddy's Dead. So did you have any kind of fun pranks you did to Robert or vice versa? Oh, pranks. God, we were working so hard that I don't know if we had any pranks. We had a lot of laughs, you know. Oh, yeah. He's a funny guy, smart, funny guy. and um, Very talkative. Yeah, very talkative, and and yeah, very talkative. We all were, you know, chatty and and try to keep ourselves up because it was long hours, and I, I don't think I've ever worked every single day of a shoot before, like a two month shoot or whatever it was. And so there were, I don't think there was too many times for pranks. So no pranks, like not that I can that I can think of. Maybe Robert would remember something. Oh, well, we'll see. I know I'll be seen running into him over the weekend as well. And I can't wait to show, So I'll oh, have good. to ask him about that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can't wait to see him. It's been ages. Yeah. Jesse Gold wanted to ask, if the story of Freddy's Dead was done today in 2018, how do you think the story would be set? Would it be set the same or would it be a different direction? Hmm. Oh, that's that's like a deep question. That's something to contemplate. I mean, I'd have to really think about that. Uh, so much has changed. Jeez. 
God, I don't even know how to begin to even tackle that question. But it's worth thinking about. I wonder if he has some ideas. It sounds like he does. I'd like well, to hear what he would think. Well, I'll tell you what. Jesse, uh, if you have some ideas on how that would be, I have least contact information. Since she's interested and really curious about this, I'll pass that along to her. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, we can pass that answer. So we'll throw that back at you, Jesse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it, no, I would be curious too to see what uh, Jesse's thoughts with that on that day. Yeah, uh, I would be. Yeah, the world has changed so much. I wonder. I mean, the, I think the basic premise would be cool. But you're right. I mean, it, you watch it today, and it and it has this retro kind of almost quaint quality. Although it's it, it's so it still works. I think the movie still works. I like the the low tech effects. You know. Yeah. Too. I think they're really good still. Which leads to our next question. Tyler Alderson wanted to know. How hard was it to stay in character knowing the movie embraces the 3D glasses gimmick and almost breaking the fourth wall? Wait, how hard is it to... Stay in the character. To stay in the character? Yeah, as um, far as embracing uh, oh. the 3D. Oh, that wasn't difficult. It wasn't that technical. I mean, Rachel Tyler did a great great um, job, you know, incorporating it and making it uh, easy for us you know, to do, and it was just one other element. I mean, that, you know, how hard is it to stay in character when you're doing something fantastical at all? You know, you just, you, you take the leap and you, you know, pretend it's all real, and so 3D was just part of that. Yeah, lovely lady, Rachel, been trying to get on oh, the show, yeah. but she's so busy writing, directing. Super oh, smart woman. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. super smart. Uh, a, and last thing questions here is Ryan Jackson. His first one is, if Maggie would have returned to the series, where would who? you have liked to have seen the character go? Oh, if Maggie would have returned to the series, yes. what would have the character do? Um, yeah, well, what, what would be Maggie's hmm. next step there? Hmm. Maybe she, um, maybe, maybe she turns evil. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe she gets a taste of glove <laughs> and she yeah. battles with herself. She that would be fun to play. She get you know she gets you know she's got um, that blood in her right. So maybe maybe once she's acknowledged who her dad is, she starts to you know she a battle of good and evil starts to wage within her, and she has to. Yeah, that would be fun to play. Well, Ryan also asked, and I thought was interesting, a little deep thinking as well, uh, that and throughout the series, Freddie was known for playing on his victims' dreams, aspirations, or just terrorizing them based on mm -hmm. their fears. Mm -hmm. What dream or fear do you think Freddie would play on Lisa Zane to victimize her? If you think I'm going to tell the world what my fears are, you have another thing coming. <laughs> that, okay, well, right, what if, you know, we'll, we'll put it in character of Maggie then. Okay, Maggie. What was Maggie's fears, do you think? Uh, I think, that, you know, I think they were actually pretty much well addressed in that movie. You know, she had this 
like secret past that she couldn't figure what it was and then it finally came to the open so she had it she had a you know the benefit of being you know freed of her past while having to face it so i think she's she's cured in a way unless what happens is what we just discussed which is you know previous question there so yeah the evil comes creeping back yeah, the whole good versus evil and whatnot. So, uh, do you have any uh, new projects coming out that the fans should be aware of? Mostly it's music right now. I'm um, I'm in I'm in Chicago now. I moved here a few years ago. I'm from here, and I uh, I'm just launching two music projects. For the past year, I've been working. Um, with a terrific guitar player, Rafael Vivanco, who's from Peru. He's a classical guitarist. He also plays electric. So we have two bands. One is the Lisa Zane Quartet, which is classical and world music, lots of French and Spanish, folk ballads, et cetera, et cetera. And he plays beautiful French guitar, acoustic. And then, um, and then we have a rock band called Flapunco, F-L-A-P-U-N-C-O, Flapunco. Um, and that's a blast. We're doing all original music. It's it's like Latin rock, kind of, you know, funky, metally rock. It's just, it's, um, you know, being developed right now and played a couple of gigs already and uh, we're recording. And so that's, that's been my main focus right now, these bands. Well, you know, you just mentioned an interesting one. I think I mentioned it earlier in, in the interview briefly. Uh, you said you were in Chicago in the last few years. Mm-hmm. You know, where most people, especially in the entertainment field, you're either in L.A. for acting, some music, New York, a lot of music, a lot of uh, plays and different things, TV. And you get a little bit of music in Nash- out of, coming out of Nashville more and more. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. just country, just all genres. What's that like in Chicago? What's the vibe, at least from the entertainment side of things? Well, the mu- well, it's not bad at all. I mean, there's, there's, there's a... There's a lot of shows here that shoot, and um, but musically it's terrific. I mean, there's so many talented musicians here, and they're all really willing to throw in on projects. I mean, I've met some fantastic ones here, and there's lots of live music venues, so it's a great place to build something. You know what I mean? And then take it take it far and wide, and that's what I've been able to do since I've been here. You know, gather the forces and you know, kind of woodshed as they call it, you know, write the write the material, record it and then and then take it wide. So it's been terrific for that. Um, but it's a great it's a really interesting thing. Um, I well, for really <laughs> as an adult. There you go. Well, well of course at twenty two years old you're gonna be a good good adult, so Right. But uh, if you're in the Philadelphia region this weekend, if you're here in this prior, August 17th, 18th, and 19th, Monster Mania, monstermania.net. Go see Lisa, yes. say hello, get some autographs. Please do, please do. Come out. Looks like a great lineup. Yes, it is. So, Lisa, thank you so much.
Hi, I'm Lisa Zane, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. 